Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Anita J., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Today is Friday, June 23rd, 2017. And today we're reading from the big book, and we are at page 57, 59, forgive me, 59. Here are the steps we took, and we are going to read through the first nine steps, however, commenting in a more broad-sweeping view way on steps four through nine. Four through nine. Today's readers of our Tenzin P on the 12 Steps of OA, Lorraine W. on the 12 Traditions of OA, and our readers of the text this morning are Larry K., Marietta P., and Lauren N. The reference numbers for yesterday are for the 7 a.m. Thursday meeting, June 22nd, 10,077, 10,077. And for the 10 a.m. June 22nd meeting, 10,080, 10,080. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. calling from New York, gracefully recovering compulsive overeater. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. 
four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. I pass. Thanks very much, Tenzin P. I'll now ask Lorraine W. to read OA's 12 Traditions. Thank you, Anita. Good morning. This is Lorraine W. from Pittsburgh. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group ought to be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. 
Thanks very much, Lorraine W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we're going to resume our study of the big book on page uh, 59, starting with here are the steps we took, and we're going to read through the first nine steps, commenting, though, on steps four through nine. And so I am now asking Larry Kay to begin our reading. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Okay, so, you know, if, if we are in the program of recovery, we're working the steps. This, this, this is the program of, of recovery. This is a group of principles, these steps, spiritual in nature, which if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession to eat. I've seen it. It, it happened to me. It, it did a lot of other things, but it, it expelled the obsession to eat. And it, it, what it does is it enables the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. That's what happens to someone who works these steps. If you're in the, well, the first thing I read was about to suggest it as a program of recovery. This is the program of recovery. Going to meetings, all that stuff, learning about this stuff, very important. But you're not in the program of recovery if you're not working the steps. I learned that um, <laughs> by spending a lot of time doing everything but working the steps in sequence, following the directions precisely laid out in the big book. So, the, you know, quickly, the, the first three steps are just, uh, we learned uh, yesterday, our preparation for the change that's going to come. 
once we've completed the action steps four through nine. That's where the change occurs through those action steps. We, we need to be abstinent. We got to put the, the heroin down, right? The heroin foods got to put it down 100%. The third step, we're just making an affirmative declaration that based on my understanding of the problem in step one and the solution in step two, I'm now ready to pick up my axe and get busy with the rest of the steps, which speaks directly to how we bring the solution to light. So now in steps four through nine, we call them the action steps. This is where the real work begins. This process was never about, um, it was never about, uh, you know, just kind of sitting around and, and waiting to be sprinkled with pixie dust as if this, there's some sort of magic to this. No, the action steps four through nine, there's no magic here. The action steps four through nine lead us to a fundamental shift in our thinking and behavior that serves to move us from a self-centered consciousness to a, a God-centered or other-centered consciousness. And, you know, in step four, it's time to get a clipboard and pencil out, right? We're going to launch out on a course of vigorous action, and the first of which is to examine our, our grosser defects. We're going to look at those resentments, fears, sex conduct, harms done to others. We need to get that stuff down because that stuff has kept us blocked off from the sunlight of the spirit. So we're going to, do a, we're going to go on a fact-finding and fact-facing process. It's not a feeling bad and feeling better process by talking about it. No, it's about merely uncovering patterns of thinking and behavior. And through that process, then we're going to move on. We're going to share it with other, another person, God and ourselves. We need to get ready to have these defects of character. I can tell you I'm going to take a cruise in step six, but I, I haven't packed my bags and shown up to the, to the pier to get on the majesty of the sea's ship, right? I'm not ready. We need to get ready. We're going to go through a humbling process. We have a prayer in step seven. There's a, the process of humility in step seven, <clears throat> asking God to remove all of our defects of character. And it's uh, the humility is the opposite of ego and pride. When we grow in humility, ego and pride go down. So let me wrap up here, Anita, and say in 8 and 9, we're making restitution. We go out and repair our damage that's been done. And it's only by transitioning and completing that process in 9 that we then become recovered, recovered compulsive reader. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks very much, Larry Kay. Who else would like to share now? Harlan Tina G. S. Charles Harlan, Katie. Katie from Boston. Harlan, Harlan, Tina, Tina S. Harlan, Katie. Betty W. Betty W. Melissa Charles C. Charles H. I, oh, Charles, I had you right in there, but I didn't write it. Okay, Charles H. Okay. All right, we have six. Let's start with six. That's um now I can't read this. Isn't that a riot? Who was the very first person before Tina? Harlan. Oh, okay. I have you down twice, Harlan. I must be thinking about you. <laughs> Harlan, Tina, Charles H, Katie G, and Betty W. All right. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Anita Jay, and thank you very much for your service as well as the service of Team Friday. 
for making this magnificent meeting possible. We have just read the guts of the program. Now, yesterday we talked about the first three steps, and the first three steps are conclusions of the mind, without which there's no urgency, there's no purpose to work the rest of the steps. And it is the depth at which I will accept step one that comes from Dr. Silkworth. It is the depth at which I will accept that that will mark the urgency that I will work the rest of the steps. But this morning's, this morning's reading of four through nine we want to take a look, if it's me, I want to take a look at the six-step program of the Oxford Group, and I want to see where some of this stuff comes from, and then I'm going to back up again in the three minutes I have. Number one, complete deflation. Number two, dependence and guidance from a higher power. Number three, moral inventory. Number four, confession. Number five, restitution. Number six, continued work with other alcoholics. That was the six-step program that the Oxford groupers were working, and Bill saw that in the six-step program, there was lots of wiggle room that these alcoholics were slipping through. And then there were the four absolutes, absolute honesty, absolute unselfishness, absolute love, and absolute purity. But what accelerated this, what accelerated this was Emmett Fox, The Sermon on the Mount, which was one of the source materials. But let's take a look at Sam Shoemaker. Sam Shoemaker was the pastor at the Cavalry Mission in New York City of the Oxford Group Movement. And Sam Shoemaker taught the boys that there were four impediments to God. An impediment is something which slows or stops progress. And he knew that food or alcohol, excuse me, was not the problem. That the problem was the buildup of human emotion which led the alcoholic to trigger the mental twist driving him irresistibly into the arms of a bottle of booze. And he taught them that the four impediments to God were, number one, a resentment that you will not let go of. Number two, a secret that you will not tell. Those are steps four and five. Number three, a vicarious thrill that you will not stop, steps six and seven, and a restitution that you will not make, steps eight and nine. And those were the steps Larry read to us this morning. So the guts of the program comes from these source materials. And this is where we come from. And the purpose of this is to lower the level of guilt, shame, remorse, fear, anger, to neutralize these things so that the desire to compulsively overeat and kill myself, although we admit it's injurious, to kill myself with food that I know is killing me, and yet I seek it out and eat it anyway. But if I do these steps, I can resist that because the urge to eat won't hit me, and I can resist that urge happily, happily. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks very much, Carolyn. Charles H., good morning. Um, I believe it was Tina before me. So oh, I don't, yeah, I don't you're wanna... right. Yeah. Okay, right, right. I was testing you, Charles. I'm only kidding. Uh, Tina S., please go ahead. Thank you. Thanks, Anita. <laughs> what a gentleman, Charles. What a gentleman. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
What a great, what a great start to, I'm sure, going to be a great meeting. Uh, heard so many great things, and 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 I'm really, really grateful to be here. You know, when I first came in, you know, what I, I heard a lot of different uh, cliches around the rooms for recovery, and, you know, the first thing I heard was, trust God, clean house, help others. Um, and, you know, later on I heard that that meant the first three steps were trust God, steps four through nine were uh, clean house, and steps 10 through 12 were help others. And, you know, what I got was I, I was not interested nor was I concerned to help anybody else. That was what was happening for me. You know, and and I did the, the uh, one, two, three, you know, waltz. And, um, you know, and, and I was in a lot of fear. And so, you know, I, I ate. You know, I, I wasn't willing to look or to search or to be fearless about anything. And what that meant was, you know, steps, this, the fourth step for me is I was the person I did not want to be. And who, well, who I was and what I did is why I ate. And, um, and you know, for with a guiding sponsor who read me these directions, or we read these directions together in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, she told me that if I did this work, I never had to be that same person again. And I can tell you that was that came true for me. You know, and I also heard, you know, the third step is just a decision to go on with the rest of the steps. You know, I heard a lot of things, but until, and it was already said, until I was willing to do the work, I wasn't getting any of this stuff. And, uh, you know, and I love, you know, it steps, you know, I share this with somebody else, and in step six, I'm entirely ready. By the time I'm sharing all my crap with somebody, I am entirely ready, let me just tell you. And then, you know, humbly, you know, God is the one who's going to remove these defects of character. You know, in step eight, you know, we make a list of all the persons we've harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. You know, and what I like about the, the ninth step is, you know, and it says it in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, it's a, you know, it, the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it, you know. And so in order for me to get this deal, I have to do this deal. And I'm willing to do that one day at a time because I love the life that I have today. And I'm grateful to be here and with everybody else on the line. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Tina S. And now, Charles H., good morning to you. Good morning, Anita J. Thank you for your loyal trust and service. Um, Charles H., a recovered compulsive over here. So 4 through 9, is, is I, I, I need to get my hands dirty. Um, I, I just need to do it because I could say that I'm a border, but if I don't get the building clean, it's going to be still cluttered up with dirt from years ago. Um, I know we're talking about 4 through 9. It's a cleanup process, so I want to take your attention to, um, and we discussed step 1, 2, and 3 yesterday, so I want to take your attention to the top of page 64 where it says, though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. The big book is not concerned with your character defects, because how, how does that work for you, Charles? Not very well. It says, it says, therefore, we started upon a personal inventory that this was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Um, one object is to disclose damage on saleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about value. Um, I just want to say this. You know, being in a 12-step program and not doing any 12-step work is like going to the gym and not working out. 
I mean, I need to, I need to work out spiritually. I need to, and it's going to take some, it's dirty work doing it, right? Um, that's just real. It's dirty work doing it. So, um, even, oh, it says, it, it gives me at once, I hear this at once, unless at once, right? I, I remember on the third page in the doctor's opinion where it says, uh, Bill W., acquired certain ideas from every Thatcher, which he put in the practical application at once. Where the hell are we getting this, you need 90 days, and, you know, why don't you wait a step a year, all this nonsense? Um, if I could get 90 days without Overeaters Anonymous and without this 12-step program, you would not know Charles H. ever. See you later. Thanks for the information. Um, it says we have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. What are we waiting around for? Larry Larry always says, pixie dust. You sit on that train track, you're just going to get hit, especially if you're asking it alone. You're going to get hit. I want to take, in closing, I want to take your um, attention to the employers where it says, um, if your man accepts your offer, it should be pointed out that physical treatment is but a small part of the picture. Abstinence is just a tiny, minute, very crucial, important part of the picture. Though you are providing him with the best possible medical attention, he should understand that he must undergo a change of heart. To get over drinking will require a transformation of thought and attitude. And steps four through nine is the dirty work. And, you know, halfway through the amends, you will be amazed. And this thing can continue. On Monday, we will find out how to continue this thing with 10, 11, and 12. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. Thank you very much, Charles H. Katie G, followed by uh, Betty W. Morning, Katie. Hello, Anita. May I be heard? Yes, you may. Good morning, everyone. It's Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic in Boston, Mass. Starting my timer. Wow. So good to hear you all. Um, I've been thinking a lot about who I was before the first time I did steps four through nine. And I was angry, man. You know, I was angry, and there were not enough of you to be angry at. And this is eating and not eating um, in program. Um, You know, there weren't enough people to hate. If you were blonde and you had big boobs and you had a boyfriend or a husband or kids or you looked nicer than me or you smelled better, I hated you because I thought that in order to be an okay person, you needed to be ugly and fat, but if you were ugly and fat, I hated you too because you reminded me of who, what I was I hated about myself, and that's all like, you know, two minutes into my day, you know, those are my, and I'm wondering why I don't have a relationship, right? Like, I'm wondering why I go on these dates with these people and, you know, nobody wants to be with me because I don't have any relationship skills. And come to think of that, when I was making an amend, a woman said to me, you know, you have a lot of drive, but you don't have many relationship skills. And I got into my car and was not nose messy crying and, and doing a 10th step on the, you know, ninth step I'd made. And, um, and then I started laughing through my tears and I said, she's right. I'm in a 12-step program. Of course, I don't have relationship skills because why? I've been relating to food. I've been relating, and when I'm not relating to food and the food's down, I'm relating to my selfish needs, my selfish desires, my self-seeking behaviors, my lies that I tell myself all based on what? Fear, 
right? Because I'm not a liar. I'm really not an angry person. At my core, I am a fearful, driven woman. And when I finally got to that fear inventory in the fourth step, I was devastated because I thought I'd never made a decision that wasn't based on fear. And with this work, um, I walked through fears that I didn't know were possible. I kept underestimating my life and God kept pushing me to the next level. You know, I got fired from the same job in four different instances because I was in the wrong profession because I was too afraid to take the GREs because I was too much of an idiot to do math because I was an idiot, right? Because I'm afraid of failure. Right. And then, you know, after doing the steps and doing the steps, I did high school math. Guess what, guys? I'm not an idiot. I can do math and science. God gave me brains to use, you know, and guess what? P.S. In my 20 seconds, you know, I have relationships with others today. You know why? Because I can say not I'm sorry. I can say, hey, I regret my behavior. When I was with you, I was unkind and disrespectful, and you don't deserve that kind of treatment. And moving forward, this is how I'm going to try and be in our relationship. So thank you, God, for these steps. They have taught me to actually live and function in, these world, in this world, and I continue to learn so much with these vital, vital steps. So if you're not in it, get in it, and I'm doing it with you one more day. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks very much, KDG. And Betty W., good morning to you. Press star one. Hi, hi, uh, Anita. Good morning. Can you hear me? Now, yes, I can. Yes. Oh, good. Um, uh, good morning, everybody. This is Betty W., recovered um, uh, um, compulsive eater from central New York. Uh, I'm so glad we're reading the steps today because... Um, the steps have really changed my life. Um, before um, I even knew about the 12 steps, I either ran away from life uh, by changing uh, my location. I ran to things, people, uh, and situations to control my life and my emotions, or I ran my own life. I had left God out because of my um, demanding ego. And um, yesterday was an example of how I live my life today and I'm so grateful to my higher power whom I call God because he now directs my life. I don't run my life and I don't let food run my life. I had a situation where I uh, was at a hospital the day before and left my Kindle there. And the hospital called me, I was unaware that I had done that, and told me to come the next day, which was yesterday, and pick it up. So I went to the place where I thought I had left it and oh, they said it had uh, been put in security, but they didn't know exactly where it was. So after two hours of trapezing back and forth between two hospitals and trying to find somebody who knew where it was, my impatience, which is one of my character defects, um, and my frustration, which is another character defect, um, uh, which comes from my... Um, uh, ego and my demanding uh, little child uh, uh, were getting to me. And I kept praying and saying the serenity prayer and asking God for direction and patience and consideration of the people who are helping me. And the whole time, I really didn't feel that I was going to say something that I didn't want to say. In the beginning, I guess I did feel that way. 
but I just kept saying, Betty, you're the one that left it here, and these people are trying to help you. And this is such a different attitude um, that I had than, uh, and have than I would have had when I was in the food, when I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. And, um, and so we finally got my Kindle after calling somebody uh, who was home and knew where it was. And, uh, and it took about an hour of walking and talking to find it. And by that time, I was very hungry, but I ended up eating an abstinent lunch. And uh, even though it was beyond my usual um, lunchtime, and, uh, and when I left, uh, the hospital didn't charge me for parking. He said, no, no, um, you know, uh, this shouldn't have happened to you. And I was just so grateful. I was grateful that God was directing me that whole day. And if it wasn't for the steps, I, I, I would never have been able to do that. And thank you for the meeting. And with that, I pass. Thanks very much, Betty W. We're going to open it up again. Kim Barbara G. E. Kim, Kim G. and Barbara E. Madam. Madam. Michael H. Leah M. Michael H. Michael H. Leah M. All right, let's go with Kim and Maura Z. We'll try to get everybody in here. We'll see. All right, Kim, Barbara E., Matt, Michael H., Leah M., uh, Maura I'm not sure we're going to get any further than this. So, Kim G., please start us off. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I just love the line, here are the steps we took, which are a program of recovery, because I have to tell you, for many years, here were the steps I read at meetings only. Here were the ideas that I thought were interesting but never implemented. And that's what happened to me the first, you know, dozen years in Overeaters Anonymous. And I'm going to kind of uh, use some of uh, Charles' stuff as a springboard because when he mentioned, you know, a business that takes no regular inventory usually goes broke, I mean, that was a part of my problem. You know, learning four through nine is simply a skill set. It's a skill set that we learn that we implement in 10 and 11. If I don't learn that skill set and if I don't implement it in 10 and 11, I'm going to go broke. I have to do that on a regular basis. You know, I often think, too, you know, you know when um, Charles said the thing about the gym, you know, I can hang out at the gym all day. I can go early to the gym. I can talk to the, to the personal trainers. Um, I can hang out at the juice bar. And then I can sit there and I go, why aren't, why aren't I getting in shape? Because hanging out at the gym is not going to get me in shape. Doing the, the exercises and using the equipment is what's going to get me in shape. And that explained to me, yeah, I hung out in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous for many, many years and wondered why I wasn't getting better. And that's because I wasn't implementing this skill set. I wasn't actually doing the steps. Everything was suggested, and therefore that gave me the excuse to do nothing. And you know what? Everything is suggested. Anyone on this line can do exactly what I did, hang around the fellowship for dozens of years, not doing any work, and wonder why I'm not getting any of the results. You know, we keep talking about the spiritual awakening, the spiritual awakening. And I have to tell you, page 27 to me has the most beautiful description of it. And on page 27, it says, ideas, emotions, and attitudes 
which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side. How does that happen? We're reading it, 439. In 4 and 5, we take inventory. We look at our resentments, our fears, and our sex conduct, and those are cast to one side. In 6 and 7, we identify what are those character defects. We're selfish, we're dishonest, we're self-seeking, we're frightened, we're inconsiderate, and those are cast to one side. And then in 8 and 9, we, we get rid of our guilt, our shame, and remorse of how we treated others. And by removing all those blocks from our higher power, we get a spiritual waking sufficient to bring about recovery. Not to maintain recovery. I have to implement these steps on a daily basis if I want to maintain the recovery that I experienced in 4 through 9. What a gift this program is. And what interesting and um, inconsequential information this is if we actually never implement it. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Kim G. Barbara E., it is your turn. Hello, everyone. It's Barbara E., also from New Jersey. I am so ready to do these steps fearlessly and humbly every single day. Before program, step four was, this was Barbara, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of everyone I knew with the program I have to make this moral inventory of Barbara. And it was so revealing. Step five, I, had, I admitted to the world the exact nature of their wrongs. Now I have to do it with my step sponsor. And I have to tell you, it felt good. It felt like rocks were being taken out of my backpack on my back and being discarded. Step six and seven before program. Entirely ready to make other people straighten up and do the right thing. And seven, shape up or ship out the boat illusion. But of course, step six and seven with the program, I have to be ready and I have to pack my baggage. Made a list of everyone who had harmed me prior to program. Now I had to do my harms, and there were quite a few with people living with me on a 24-7 basis. <sighs> Get direct revenge on any on people whenever possible before program. Now I have to accept humbly that it's up to me to make amends and be willing to accept that perhaps they won't accept my amends. And humility, I have to no longer be horrified when I realize a defect has returned or a new one has popped up. Recognize that I have some deadly needs to control, to judge, to give unasked for advice, to be always right, and forgetting to rely on a daily, no hourly, basis on my higher power. I must acknowledge this and be willing to take action, action, action. And I've got a wonderful sponsor, a wonderful reinvigorated program here, and I have to be ready, willing, able. The promises, I believe, will come true, but only if I work at it. Thank you. Have a wonderful Friday. I pass. Thanks so much, Barbara E. 
And Madam, good morning. Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Madam, compulsive reader. The club steps are they're basically the guidelines on how to live our lives. It's like this is like a textbook, the big book. It's supposed to teach us how to live our life one day at a time. And uh, the steps are not, they're easy times to look at, but they're also sometimes hard to face sometimes because we have to face our innermost selves, our innermost demons. When I had to, when I had to work in my step nine, it wasn't easy because there's some people I'm afraid to talk to. And it teaches me how to fierce my face, my fears. My sponsor is really good. He helped me to say that I need to do this in order if I want to get better, if I want to, if I want to get well so I can go out and help others. And, um, the steps are there for me. I do want a new way of living. I want a new life. And these tenants are there for us for a reason. And uh, the big book is also there to help us, to guide us through life, to help us live the life we're not meant to live. And I'm grateful that the steps are here, and I'm grateful this big book is here because it's helped me live a better life one day at a time. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks very much, Matt. And Michael H., you are up. Good morning. Good morning. May I be heard? Yes. Yes. Outstanding. Thank you very much for your service. Thank you to everyone who makes this meeting possible every day. My name is Michael H. I'm grateful, very grateful, recovered compulsive overeater in the great state of Illinois. And I just, I'm just on the line this morning. I want to plug in real quick and I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude this morning that this actually exists, that this program exists. Um, over, well, about almost a year ago, I arrived at the, the doorstep of these steps, this program, with a desperation level that, that I can't even, with, with the desperation of a dying man, because that's exactly what I was, spiritually, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and and I was done, done, done with life. And this says, uh, you know, and I knew. I knew for a very long time that I, I had no way, no power of my own device. And I've been trying my whole life to fix all of these issues. And I could not. And this program promised that there was one with all power that could do that for me. And that one was God. And so I arrived desperate and we're commenting on step four through nine. Something very profound happened to me in, in step four. I did the work. I did the work, but what happened to me it w- was revealed to me the exact nature of of my issues, my self selfishness, self centeredness, self centeredness. It also when I did step four, I mean I did the work, but the results were not me. It's not something that I did. It's only something that God could do. Step two came alive for me in step four. As I worked through step four, I be- the belief was revealed to me. I didn't just come up upon it myself, that, that God was restoring to, little by little, was restoring me to sanity and would continue to restore me to sanity through the rest of these steps. And uh, that's all I really want to say. I just want to share that uh, what happened to me in steps four through nine changed my life. Um, it's been literally the greatest experience that I've ever had or that I could ever imagine to, you know, I could go on as the rest of us who get on this line and share um, the greatness. I could go on the rest of the day talking about the positives, the way that this has changed my life. 
Um, and it's not about the food. It was never about the food. Yes, I'm a compulsive overeater, but it was never about the food with that I'll pass. Thanks very much, Michael H. Leah M., good morning. Good morning, Anita. Thank you so much. You know, I'm so grateful for this skill set. <laughs> um, you know, it's something that uh, just changes my life, transforms my mind and my uh, heart and my soul every day throughout the day, this skill set that uh, the program taught me. You know, I didn't realize when I came here that more than my compulsive overeating uh, had to be arrested. You know, my my belief system, my values, my philosophy had to be confronted and overhauled, and that's exactly what Steps 4 through 9 did for me. It led me out of the bondage of compulsive overeating and out of the bondage of self. I didn't realize I needed a transforming experience like that until it was brought to life by someone in whom the problem had been solved, and they explained it to me with the utilization of this text, exactly what we were setting out to do. You know, and these are the guts uh, of the program. You know, because I came here very restless, irritable, and discontent. That's why I always needed a substance outside of myself in order to seek, you know, in order to find that ease and comfort. Um, I came here filled with fear. I came here filled with shame, with guilt, remorse. I came here very selfish and self-centered, inconsiderate, um, you know, self-seeking, and extremely frightened, extremely frightened. And because of those conditions, that always led me back to the cellophane bag in the bakery box. But the program of recovery, these steps, the guts, four through nine, uh, changed my personality sufficient enough to bring about recovery. It's really remarkable. You know, there's something said in the back of the book with the medical uh, view on AA, and I've always loved it. It's from Dr. Bauer, and it says, in this atmosphere of the program of recovery, the alcoholic often overcomes his excessive concentration upon himself. I love that. I love that because that's exactly what needed to happen. I needed to go from a life of self-centeredness to a life of God-centeredness. And each step represents a relationship with God, myself, and others. So each step um, allowed a subtraction of all those things that I had took on and thought for sure they were true, (laughs) you know, thought for sure they were true, until the program of recovery, great sponsorship, and the bringing to life of these instructions on black and white paper, starting with that first action step of the inventory, I got to see how I was thinking, what my attitudes were, what my core belief system was. And as we pressed into these steps, that was kind of turned inside out. uh, And I was relieved of all that. And you know what? When that process happened, wrapping up, the light began to shine in my life. And the obsession was driven out. Remarkably, and uh, you know that's that's the work of the program. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Miss Lamb. And Maura Z, it's your turn. Wow. Okay, Maura Z here, recovered in Virginia. Thank you to all who share on this meeting. I learn. I learn. I learn every day. Thank God, I learn every day. Thank you, Anita, for your service. 
for me, step four is my step of freedom. I'm one of these odd ducks that I actually like doing a fourth step. When I first came into program, um, I knew a little bit about what a fourth step meant for my old, my younger sister. And um, I had carried enough baggage around, um, and I also knew that my life had been run by fear, absolutely run by it. My, my life was just, it was a reactionary mode. I did not do anything as far as, you know, initiating anything. I just completely reacted. That's that's what I did. That's how I ran my life. And so fear was what motivated me. Fear of not getting what I wanted or fear of losing what I had. But mostly it was not being accepted. I I with all my heart and soul looked for acceptance, looked for validation from everyone else on this planet but me, but my higher power. And the fourth step was just, it's genius as far as I'm concerned. And it allowed me to uncover everything else. I knew about the fear and the anger, but there was so much more that was keeping me trapped inside, but it was keeping me blocked from the higher power that I so desperately wanted in my life. And when I finally came to work these steps as they're written in this big book with someone in whom the problem had been solved, and I came to learn that this was the way to find my path to my higher power, I dug in and I dug in deep. And I wanted it bad. As bad as I was, as desperate as I was to put down the food, I was just as desperate, if not more so, to have that connection to a higher power that I saw in so many others, that I heard on the line. You could hear it in their voices. You knew that they had a connection. And that's what I wanted. And that's what I have because I work these steps in order as laid out. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Marzi. Julie, it's your turn. Wasn't sure which Julie it was. Hi. Good morning, everybody. This is Julie S. from Florida. I wasn't sure if it was me you were calling on. Yes. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for the opportunity to share, and thank you for your service. You know, um, what what brings to mind for me when I was listening to the the reading this morning is these wise words that um, one of my guides told me last night that someone else said in vision that, they are three days away from going back into the food, no matter how successful this person had been in program, that if I am not actively working the steps, taking action, not theorizing, not thinking about it, not just listening to vision, not just in my mind and being abstinent, but actually doing the step work, I am three days from the food. The first day, I'll just, you know, think, oh, just listening to a meeting is okay, the second day, I will think, oh, you know, I don't, um, I listened yesterday. I'm okay. I don't have to listen today. I'm still good. And then the third day, my mind will start convincing me of reasons why I can go back into the food because maybe I didn't finish my blueberries 
for my snack earlier in the day because I got distracted at work. And so I can have my blueberries now after dinner because it's still on my food plan. And that's what has undone me in the past. And it is those words, I don't know whoever said that, I thank you for those words of wisdom because that makes all the sense to me. And it just reminds me that every day I have to keep doing my step work. Every day I have to keep pushing along and doing my assignments, my reading, my phone calls, and all of those things that keep me absent and keep me closer to God, because that's where my recovery is. So thank you very much. And I pass. Thanks, Julie. F. Time for one more. Melissa C. Yes, Melissa. I think that, uh, Vasa, I don't think we'll get to you, but if we do, we will, all right? Melissa, good morning. Hi, good morning. Oh, I'm so glad I got it under under the wire. Um, Good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, this morning when I was looking at the steps, um, you know, I was thinking about step four and that this fearless, the searching and fearless moral inventory. And, um, you know, I was thinking about moral, you know, and um, and that it has more than one meaning. And um, it kind of jumped out at me this morning, you know, that that morals are lessons. And, um, and so my fourth step was like an opening of a great opportunity for me to learn. Um, and, you know, my willingness... Um, to do it, of course, was because I was in tremendous pain, and so I had already decided that I was going to embark on this path. I was going to follow these steps, and, you know, and so at first that fourth step um, was very frightening, and a lot of people have, you know, that I've worked with have had that same gut response, that we're afraid, and, um, you know, one thing that really helps me is um, recognizing, and I share this with people, this stuff that you're inventorying, um, it already exists. Like, it's not, there's nothing really to be afraid of. It's already, like, it's stuff I already own. You know, I already have it. It's already happened. It's stuff that I've been holding on to. And now is my opportunity to really look at it and learn from it. You know, it's, it's this, this moral inventory. And so, um, that's been just a, a great relief for me so that when I, when I look back at some of the things that I'm not proud of, some of my fears, my behaviors, my conduct, um, my anger, um, I don't have to have the attitude that I'm, I'm embarrassed or ashamed. Um, I, I can have the attitude that this was all, you know, for a purpose, and um, the rest of the steps propel me to find that purpose and then share it, you know, and then really be useful and helpful to other people. And, um, you know, it's funny, this, like I was thinking this morning, oh, my God, we're going we're gonna to discuss steps four through nine in three-minute little clips. Like, that's huge. Um, you know, but I, I guess for me it really starts with that, with that fourth step, the willingness to really examine what it is and then make right. You know, and um, and so every time that I have a resentment, a fear, a, a, a harmful conduct, it really is my opportunity to learn. It's my opportunity to learn and grow from it. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass.
Thank you very much, Melissa C. I'm sorry, Vasa, our time is up. Um, now I want to thank everybody who shared today in this really wonderful hour. Join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, this, this 7 a.m. June 23rd meeting is 10,082. 1002. And we'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And I've asked Marietta P. to read A Vision for You from page 164. Good morning. It's Marietta P. Recovered from Virginia. And our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize. We know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.